0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: So as Christians, we're saying we know we didn't do anything to earn favor with God. God was gracious, merciful, and just bestowed favor upon us for nothing. For That for which we're very thankful. But God says now that you're saved, you need to walk worthy. And it does take effort and energy and determination. And there, there is some of your will involved in walking worthy. You know, everybody here, how was your walk with the Lord? Are you walking worthy of God's call upon your life? Is the way that you responded, God, you did all this for me. Am I walking worthy of that?
0: How is your walk with the Lord? It's a question Pastor Bill is going to challenge you with today as you join him in this study of the book of Ephesians. Pastor Bill will ask you to do a self-check to see how things are between you and God. Are you casually following Jesus when it's convenient or feels good? Or are you really digging in deep, seeking daily to do exactly what God's calling you to do? Right now is a great time to make some changes if they need to be made. Don't wait. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Ephesians chapter four, starting at verse one, Paul says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. And so let's look at chapter four, verse one. Paul says, I therefore. And like I told you guys, this, whatever you see, therefore, you know, we say you look back to see what is there for. So in light of chapters one, two and three and all that God has done, Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. This is the second time in the book of Ephesians, Paul tells us he's a prisoner. In chapter three, verse one, he said that I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ to you Gentiles. And here in chapter four, verse one, Paul says, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord. Now, this is important. It's a perspective. Paul was not put in prison by the Lord, right? It didn't matter to Paul who had put him in prison, right? It was the Romans or Nero or whoever. Paul says, I'm in prison by the will of God. I'm here doing what God called me to do. And so I'm Paul, but I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And there's a perspective. Paul says, I'm here in prison. I'm here. I'm going to do God's work right here. I'm in in prison writing these letters to encourage believers. Paul wasn't in prison complaining that God had let him down while he is so faithful. God, I was faithful to you and you let them put me in jail. He wasn't doing that. Paul said, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And maybe you feel stuck in some scenario God has you in. And it'd be a a healthy perspective as believers for, for us to recognize that If you're walking with the Lord and God has allowed you to be in a scenario that's unfavorable, that's undesirable, how be it? I'm here for the Lord. Everywhere I am, wherever I am in life, whatever state of life I'm in, I'm here by the will. I am what I am by the will of God. Amen. So if you're a student in a class and you hate the class, I hate this school, I got to by the will of God. Lord, let me be let me be a witness for you at this place. You might feel like you are a prisoner to your job. The very job that you prayed for at one point in time, most people. You know, at one point in time they were praying that God would give them the job. Then they get the job, and after a while they get sick of the job, and then they then they you know they complain about the job and don't realize that maybe you're an assignment at your job for the Lord. So be careful about complaining about the job that was one day an answer to prayer. Amen. Here's something you can note. The Holy Spirit ain't never led nobody to complain. Never. So whatever you're complaining about, whatever it might be, complain about Life circumstances, what you don't have, what you wish you had, whatever you're complaining about, the Holy Spirit never led anybody to complain. Uh, I remember doing a I did a, a, a camping trip with some high school kids and one of the youth leaders that I had with me, he was a hiker, a little skinny guy uh, like a gazelle. And he hiked all the time. And he was like, oh, Bill, you know, if you lead the trip, you prepare the Bible studies. I'll, I know the whole place. I'll make all the hikes in the trips. I was like, cool, we'll, we'll partner up on this one. That was the worst decision. I, it was like fat camp. And this guy hiked us all around. And he would trick us. He would say, it's only like three miles. And I was like, okay, three miles not that bad. You know what I mean? Seven miles. One, I'm like, it's been seven miles, bro. We ain't there yet. That means it's seven miles to get back. You know, like, where are we going? You lied to us. Now we way out here, you know. And I remember, because I, I was joining the kids. I was with the kids complaining. And he said, this was, his, this was his tagline. He said, you know, God killed a whole bunch of Israelites for complaining. And I was like, that's a cold word from the Lord, you know. So. So moving on, Paul says, I, Paul, am the prisoner of the Lord. And may I encourage you, right? Wherever God has you, instead of looking for an out or looking for what's wrong with it, like Paul, just say, God, I'm here for you. You got me captive in this scenario um, by the will of God. How can I? How can you use me here? Uh, I heard a testimony of somebody that was in a hospital bed. Don't nobody want to be in a hospital bed. I don't like to be in hospitals when I'm walking in and walking out. Um, but somebody's in a hospital and, they, and this person just accepted that. The Lord has me here and I'm going to look for these. I'm going to figure out which of these nurses or which of these people need to hear what I know. And they turned that thing into a ministry from a hospital bed. That's a perspective. They could have been laid up complaining. Why come God didn't heal me? How come he didn't answer my prayers yet? And instead they just said, you know what, I'm going to be a witness from this position. And they did so. So Paul's again, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. And then he says this, I beseech you. That word beseech, it means to to beg or to entreat. And this is what Paul is begging them to do. I beseech you to walk worthy of, of the calling with which you were called. Paul I'm begging you guys, walk worthy of your calling. Here's where the tone changes, right? Now we've, we've already talked about everything God did for you. Now we said, now it's your turn. Now you need to walk worthy. We understand you can't earn your salvation. You're saved already. So I'm talking to saved already people. Now you need to walk worthy of what God did for you. And sometimes this is what happens in Christian circles. We, we understand the grace that brings us into salvation. And so we, 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 we try to characterize the rest of our relationship with the, well, the Lord just has to do it. And God said, well, now it's your turn. Like the important thing, saving you, forgiving you, I did that. Now you need to walk. We're going to see in the book of Ephesians for the rest of the chapters that we go through, seven different times a walk is mentioned. In chapter five, we're going to talk about walking in the light, walking in love, walking in wisdom. In chapter four, and a few in a few different places in this chapter, we're going to talk about our walk with the Lord. And so, a walk describes your entire lifestyle. A walk is not something you do for just a moment. Um, y'all walked into church this morning. A lot of people know how to behave here at this place, and then that's it. Um, the walk is to characterize the rest of the week amen not just here um not just on the way but this it should characterize your whole life that means that when you walk into work on monday this should be this should this, that's your walk when you walk in into your house on monday after work that's your walk when you come back home wednesday whatever your rough days are your walk is all every day how you go to school how you go to work how you're doing your home everything is to characterize your whole walk and, and he says you need to walk worthy Walk worthy. And I was, I really just sat with, I'm like, God, what does that mean? Because I want to explain it good. Like, what does it mean to walk worthy? You know, uh, since you did something for us, we didn't deserve. Now you're saying walk worthy of it. And there's, this is one illustration. I'm sure it falls short in some ways. But if, you know, let's say you're a poor athlete. I know some guys that are not very good. I'm not going to say if they're here or not, but I know some guys, they're, they're just, they're, they they just wouldn't be your choice to pick if you were picking a basketball team or whatever, you know. So some of y'all looking at me, and i get on my eyeballs, some of y'all. So let's say you got picked, you know, you, you wanted to be on the team and you know you wasn't really that great. And the coaches say, I just like something about you. You know, I just like your character or I just like you. And they pick you, say, I want you to be on the team and you're on the team now. If you got on the team and said, well, since I'm not that good, and I know the coach just picked me because he liked me, but I'm on the team, so I guess I'm just happy to be here, but I'm not going to put forth any effort. I'm not going to try to improve. He knew what he got when he got me, so I'm going to just stay that way. That would be wrong. To walk worthy would be saying, look, I know I wasn't really nothing when he picked me, but I'm on the team now. So I'm going to be at the gym every day. I'm going to be running. I'm going to be working out. I'm going to be practicing my shot. I mean, I'm going I'm to do my best to make this worth his while. I'm gonna walk worthy of this opportunity that he gave me. I'm gonna do my best to walk worthy of it. I know I didn't deserve it to begin with, but I'm going to walk worthy of it now that it's mine. You guys follow what I'm saying? So, as Christians, we're saying we know we didn't do anything to earn favor with God. God was gracious, merciful, and just bestowed favor upon us for nothing, for wh- that for which we're very thankful. But God says, now that you're saved, you need to walk worthy. And it does take effort and energy, and determination, and there is there is some of your will involved in walking worthy. You know, everybody here, how is your walk with the Lord? Are you walking worthy of God's call upon your life? Is the way that you responded, God, you did all this for me, am I walking worthy of that or not? And again, it's not to condemn because we can make adjustments and changes where we need to, amen? And so Paul says, I, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, and then He's going to begin to tell them how to do that. And so um, that word worthy, as he says, walk worthy, it means suitably or in a manner worthy of walk, walk according to walk in a word a manner worthy of what God has done. And I thought of King David as, as an example in both ways. King David was an example of someone that was chosen while not being very much, but that he, he showed up right when when um, Samuel went to Jesse's house. And he said, one of your sons is the next king of Israel. Bring out all your sons. Um, when he did that, uh, Jesse didn't even think to bring David out. David was the youngest. He was the least significant. He was out there watching the sheep. And so he brought out all the other sons. And God told Samuel that the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. And God, he went down the line and said, God, I haven't picked any of them. Do you have another son? And he says, I, I do. I got a little ruddy kid out there in the field watching the sheep. And Samuel said, I'm not leaving until you bring him out. Go get him. And he went and he brought David. And it said, David was this idea of David, it says it was a ruddy, like a ruddy little kid. An idea, just a cute little, just I just imagine a cute little curly head kid coming in. And the Lord said, That's my guy. The Lord wasn't looking at his outer appearance. His outer appearance didn't look like a king yet. What was God looking at? God said that, that he has a heart after me. He out there watching the sheep, but he's a worshiper. He's worshiping me. He trusts in me. He believes in me. And God brought David in and God said, that's my guy. Now, that's what God, God chose him. There wasn't anything about David that said, you know, you know, this is what makes him God chosen. God said, I'm, you're going to be the next king of Israel. My, God's hands is gonna anoint him, put oil on his head. That's the guy. Now, David showed up when everybody in Israel, Saul included, was afraid to go out and fight Goliath. David showed up by chance, you know, going to bring his you know, report from his brothers to his dad and he sees Goliath out there taunting the army of God. And he said, who is that? And why are y'all acting like y'all scared? Like, well, what's up? You know, and David was offended that nobody was stepping up. And David said, I'll fight him. And it wasn't because he was arrogant or cocky or David was like, no, he's he talking about the army of God. Like, you know, David just had faith that God would do this. And when they discouraged him and said, David, you can't do this. You just, this guy has been a warrior your lifetime. You know, he said, look, man, when I was watching my father's sheep, and a bear came. I destroyed it with my bare hands. The Lord enabled me. And a lion came out and I killed that lion. The Lord enabled me. He said this uncircumcised Philistine to be just like one of those. Right. And David said, I'm going to go do it. In that sense, David was walking worthy. He said, no, I got experience with the Lord. I believe in the Lord. And he walked worthy of the calling that he had. Now, we know that David did some things later where he didn't walk worthy. We won't talk about that this morning. Uh, but we got an example where he did. Look, God chose you over here and David showed up when it was time. David said, I trust God. I believe God to destroy the enemy of the, you know, the Philistine army. And, and he went out and God gave them a great victory through David. Are you walking worthy? Are you, are you someone that said, man, I understand all that God has done for me. I understand the cross and the, the mercy of God and the grace of God, the blood of Jesus. And, and in light of that, God, I, I am yielded to you because now he's getting ready to tell us how. How do I walk worthy, Lord? What does it look like? Paul, you're telling me, you're commanding me to walk worthy. but now he says, how? Look at the first word in verse two, first three words. First, he says, with all lowliness. The word lowliness means having a humble opinion of oneself. Uh, It's a deep sense of one's moral littleness. Lowliness is a genuine humility that comes from association with the Lord Jesus. Lowliness makes us conscious of our own nothingness. And enables us to esteem others better than ourselves. It's the opposite of conceit and arrogance. And so when he says with all lowliness, these are attitudes of the heart and the mind that believers are to walk in. And so you can judge for yourself. I told the earlier service, this would be a good this this these criteria that we're getting ready to walk through. it It would be a healthy thing for you to ask somebody that lives in your house. How am I with this? This would be good for me to run through my kids lowliness and gentleness and all the different things we're getting ready. long suffering and let my kids tell me let my wife tell me you know how long suffering am i before i have coffee or whoever you know so these would be good things for somebody to live with you to report to you if you care if you're if you're if your desire is to grow in the things of god and to be more of what god wants you to be paul is telling us you need to walk worthy and this is how first lowliness This is for this is he's talking to the Christians. So this would this would impact our dealings with one another in the church. But I've told you guys many times it can't just end here because some people know how to do it here. Some people can be gracious here and compassionate here. God bless you, brother. Praise the Lord. And, you know, merciful here. There are people that are merciful here, but they ain't merciful at home. Right. They'll they'll at church. It's like, okay, well, this is a place for you. You you just kind of be nice and good. But they get home and it's all over with. That's not okay. Right, It's not, it's not okay if, 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 a, if, a, if your car fusses and fights all the way here. Y'all get out the car and come in here and bless God and bless you and pray for you. And, and then y'all get back in the car and before you hit the sidewalk, you're at it again. That's not right. That's not what God... Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to behave like that. You're not walking worthy of your calling if you're doing that. Amen? Okay, so he says, with all lowliness. And so, how are you with that? Are you conceited or arrogant Do you have a high esteem of yourself or is there a lowliness? Are you able to esteem others better than yourself? In each of these things that we look at, Jesus is the ultimate example. Jesus is everything. He left heaven, came to earth. He's God in the flesh, all authority, all power, all might in his hand. And he walked in lowliness. He walked in humility. He washed his disciples' feet. He served other people. And so it was intentional. He just, he put himself under other people. Whenever there's contentions. Some there's there's a lack of lowliness. You know, you get you get two people that are just locked up. They're always back and forth with each other. These are two prideful people. They won't they won't no, no one will bow out. If you get two prideful people, you're just bam 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 bam. That's what it's going to be like. Two two dogs just going at it nonstop. Lowliness is if you get two lowly people, you can lay some stuff down until you get back filled up with the Holy Spirit. You know, if you get one lowly person, you got someone that can let it go, and until somebody else get their stuff together. Um, but lowliness is it's a characteristic of walking worthy. God, since, since you did all that for me, you need, you want me to walk worthy. And part of walking worthy is that there be a, an all lowliness, that I would, I would have a humble esteem of myself, that I would walk humble, that it'd be a lowliness about how I live my life. God, you can have that, right? And God wants to bring that out of us, you guys. God wants to help us to to be those kind of people. Um, when I was before I went on staff at the, my first the first church where I got to pastor at before I went on staff there, when I was in Bible college and everything else. If you had asked me at that time of my life, Hey Bill, how are you doing spiritually? I would have said, Bro, I'm like out of out of one to ten, I'm on twelve. That's how I felt. I felt like my life is on. I mean, my marriage is going good. It's great. We, we got babies at home. I'm, you know, pursuing God's call in my life. I'm in Bible college. Like, this is everything is great. I haven't drank in this many years. I haven't had a fight. I ain't cussed at nobody. Like, my life just felt like, man, my life is all together. Look good. And what the Lord did to, uh, to, to bring me down 10, 12, 13 notches was God allowed some people in my life that drew out of me some stuff that I didn't know was there anymore. I thought that I wasn't having altercations because I was better. I mean, I I, I am delivered from that. Oh, I'm not the guy I used to be. And then in the course of ministry, God put me in, I got involved with people that we were were getting involved with the church and everything else. And then I get involved with one of the guys that we're friends to this day, but this guy rubbed me wrong. Um, He was an argument. I don't, you know, I don't argue. And this dude liked to argue. He gets loud. And I remember, you know, we had one discussion and I'm kind of holding my ground and he got loud. And you know, my mind was like, whoa, whoa, you can tone that down. You know, like, I, I got another switch that starts flipping that it ain't been flipped in a long time, but as soon as he got loud, it was like, the, the flip was like, you know how to stop that, don't you? And the first time it got let go, and then I remember it happened again, and then it was like, and I remember this is, this is how bad things were in my heart. I thought, I might do God a favor. This dude needs to be brought down a notch. He needs to be popped in the mouth just one time. For the Lord. Then we'll pray for him and heal him and he'll be all good, but he needs it. You know, this is, this has to stop, you know, and, and I was so focused on what was wrong with him, right? And, and the Lord eventually through guys I was accountable to and everything else, God was like, what I'm revealing is within you. Look at that. You, you walk around church, wanting to sock somebody. What's wrong with you? I'm a boy, but, but it's because of him, he's loud and he's supposed to be a pastor. And, and God's like, no, what's wrong with you? But you want to sock him? You think about socking him? And, and then and I, I thought about hitting him and I'm like, we'll just go somewhere else. And I will start my ministry all over somewhere else. That was obviously not God's will. Here, here's my point. The Lord drew that stuff out so that I can get a victory over it. And later on, be I'd be friends with this guy. But I realized as I went on staff later that there would be much worse scenarios that would happen where I'm in an office with some big, big dude that's got bipolar disorder yelling and flailing. And God's like, and you wouldn't have handled that right if you hadn't got this under control. You'd have blown it and been fired. They'd have said, man, Bill, pastor can't be a striker. You didn't hit a man. You got to go. I believe God brought those things out. But here's the thing, God, you can only, what comes out of you is within you. So stop blaming other people for what keeps coming out of you. If you cuss some people out, you can't blame nobody for what's coming out of your mouth. Them are your words. From the abundance of your heart, your mouth is speaking. Amen. Lowliness. Lowliness will kill all that. When I humble myself, man, now, even if you did disrespect me, if I got a humble opinion of myself and it's like, well, you know, they did it to Jesus, too. He took it. And, And if you could just take yourself there in your heart, right, God, this is happening to me, but it happened to you. And how did you handle it? Let that be. Let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. He didn't flip out. He didn't cuss nobody out. He didn't throw no punches. He didn't get revenge. And God, let me help me become like you. Make me more like you. Everything that's wrong with me is just the part of me that's not yet yielded to Jesus. And so when I see my junk, I know that that's the reality. This is, this is me. There's just too much of me. There needs to be more of him and less of me. Amen. With all lowliness, he says next, gentleness and gentleness. The word gentleness, it means, uh, it's, it, it means, it's, the idea is it's gentleness comes out of humility. But the definition is mildness or meekness. Gentleness is the attitude that submits to God's dealings without rebellion and to man's unkindness without retaliation. So gentleness has to do with, you know, the condition of my heart in terms of walking in meekness. But it fleshes itself out when when my 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 gentleness in terms of my relationship with the Lord is when God is correcting me that I don't rebel. And my gentleness is the way it fleshes out when I'm dealing with other people is that when people are unkind, I don't retaliate. And so if you're someone that gets revenge all the time, you're somebody that you did this to me, I'm gonna get you back. You're getting your neighbors back. You know, I've seen people do crazy things. Neighbors never parked in my park, so now I'm gonna park in their park. Grown people, grown adults, you know, like you mean you parked over there on purpose just to get them back for when they parked. Come you're 52 years old. Cut that out. You know, that, that that's what people do. Not not God has said, when God said, look, walk worthy. Now, that's what, I mean, that, that happens in the world, but I'm, if that's happening up in here, we know that's not right. Amen. We know that that's flesh. We know that that's unyielded to Jesus. Ain't gonna, you ain't going to never make that right before the Lord. And so God is saying, look, walk worthy. Right? I, I, the, I saved you already. Now, now I want you to walk right. I want you to make some adjustments. I want you to yield yourself to me. After all I've done for you, I deserve to talk to you about it. And so gentleness. Then he says long suffering. Look at... uh. The next part he says, and with long suffering, the the word long suffering obviously is compound long and suffering, suffering for a long time. The definition is patient, forbearance, slowness in avenging wrongs. Long suffering is an even disposition and a spirit of patience under prolonged provocation. I'm going to say that one more time and I'll explain it. It's long suffering is an even disposition and a spirit of patience under prolonged provocation. That means somebody is provoking you and provoking. They bugging you and knocking at the door and they trying it again. I mean, under prolonged provocation. This is usually going to be brought about by somebody you live with. Might be one of your children. Might be your husband or your wife. It might be somebody you work with and they're in a cubicle right next to you and every single day, some of y'all are thinking about them right now, Monday, I got to go and see them again. They're going to provoke me all weekend under prolonged provocation that there be a just a disposition, a spirit of patience under prolonged provocation. How do you do? Some people are easily provoked. We say that someone's easy. We say they have a hot temper or they're hot headed. That means they don't take much, you know, just a little bit. And they're, whoo, they're off. That's a that's a that's an indication of your flesh. Uh, one of the 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 the, 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 the demonstrations or the of the things that outworking of the flesh is the outbursts of wrath. That I ain't got. No, I can't put a cap on this thing. It just it blows.
0: That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Ephesians, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, Paul explains that it doesn't matter where you come from or what you look like. What matters is that Christ unites us as one. In Jesus, we all belong. Do you ever let differences hinder you from having genuine relationships? Do you let cultures or skin color get in the way of Christ-like living? Paul knew that although differences can be difficult to process, unity is the heart of God. To be one with each other is to be one with the Father. We hope you continue to learn more from this book and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you, too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryInglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person, and you can catch up on previous messages online. That website, again, is cavalryenglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience. We pray you continue to seek Jesus in all you do. Thanks again for joining us. And be sure to catch us next time right here on A Transforming Word.